Tonight on the Big Footy Podcast, we talk about all the latest news from the AFL. We review the games from week two of the finals. We preview the games from week three of the finals. We have copies of Fox Swift with Cyril Rioli to give away. And Messenger tells us how it feels like to be like a tiger. All this and more coming right up. I'd be glad to her like a tiger. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Footy Podcast for week three of the final series uh, with Carlton and Port eliminated. Uh, we've eliminated the Port guests from the program and unfortunately you're still stuck with the Carlton ones. Joining us tonight for a jam-packed program of fun and entertainment, we have the elite, the cream, the height of Big Footy. And uh, that doesn't include Messenger, who's here anyway. G'day Messenger. Hey, thank you. It was wonderfully <laughs> heartwarming. And uh, joining us again from the Sydney board, we have Vaughn. Hey, guys. And uh, she'll be feeling very gleeful and well with herself, as well as SM, who is also here from the Swans board. Absolutely. Hey, guys. And uh, Seppo joins us again from the Frio board, still alive in the final series and looking good at the moment. Well, glad to be back here after a week off. And, of course, uh, bringing up the rear, the old Dark Navies. <laughs> Bringing up the rear, love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everyone. <laughs> who is who is probably the least gleeful of any of us? Uh, although I'm 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 pretty unhappy about the situation myself. Whoever thought you'd see the day when Frio would uh, be a grand final chance? I'm oh, not too not too certain on the grand final yet. Uh, I I'm pretty uh, sure. I think you can be. Pretty <laughs> <certain>. <laughs> <laughs> Wishful thinking. We'll, we'll get stuck into that later. But uh, first off, guys, your memorable moments from the weekend, and I'm sure that unlike last week, Vaughn probably actually has one this week. Um. Yeah, I was really really happy with how my own team played, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I forgot the other game that was on. Um. Yes. Was that on? <laughs> okay, I'm not really sure. I had a really, really good week. The only downside for me was seeing all of the injuries and the quality of the ANZ surface. But aside from that, it was a really great weekend of footy and looking forward to the next one. What about USM, your memorable moment from the weekend? Well, unlike Vaughn, I can remember the other match. Um, the Geelong-Port match was a pretty exciting match in the end, um, and I think my highlight would have to be Justin Westhoff's snap-it goal late in the fourth quarter to keep them in it. Um, it was something else, really. Great goal. Yep. And Seppo, what about your highlight from the weekend? 
Well, SM's just stolen my thunder there. I actually um, got off the tickets late on Friday night, and as a neutral, I went down to the MCG to watch the Geelong Port game, and um, I found myself as a neutral sitting there enjoying a game, finally not actually going for uh, my own team at the ground, and it was just... Uh, I found myself backing Port, obviously, for I just uh, come off the win against Geelong, so I got on the Port bandwagon there, and that Westhoff goal in the last quarter... Um, just to see him run down, pick it up and snap it from where he did. I was sort of sitting in the pocket and the um, ball came straight straight through the goals right to where we were sitting and right near the Port Cheer squad. Everyone went up and it was pretty nuts. It's just a shame it wasn't a tighter finish and uh, petered out a bit towards the end there, but that was uh, my highlight of the week. Okay, what about you, Odin? Did you have a highlight from the weekend? Oh, I think uh, watching, watching Disney on ice on Saturday night at ANZ Stadium... <laughs> Uh, very amusing and uh, brought a bit of a tear to the eye. That was pretty amusing there. It would have been more comical if I had LRT out there. He would have made it more fun. <laughs> Slipping over. And uh, Messenger, your highlight from the weekend? Well, when there's no decent AFL football to watch, your heart sinks towards <laughs> the AFL. And I, I, Box Hill made the VFL uh, grand final. For, for next weekend, they'll be uh, underdogs against the reigning Premier's Geelong. But uh, unfortunately, the Box Hill Development Squad, who have been in, have won four of the last eight flags and have been, it'll, was they were in their fifth grand final, but went down narrowly on uh, on Saturday. But uh, good news, the uh, the Box Hill Firsts are in the grand final on Sunday, and uh, hopefully we can uh, take the bickies in the VFL. Awesome. I don't have a highlight from the weekend this week. Oh, come on. You can tell. No. Come on. No, no, no. I think you do, don't you? No. No, I've got nothing. <laughs> oh, I'll give you one. You could claim finishing higher than Collingwood. That, that, well, that's always a highlight. And Richmond, for that matter. And Essendon. And Essendon. Yeah, there you go. I guess, I guess that would be my highlight of the year, really. That's uh, any, any year that happens is a good year. And, uh, and to be honest, I think we got as far as we could go. So, you know... Doesn't matter what we did on the weekend, we weren't going to win next week. So, no faith. That's me. Just, that's me, really, just really, really sucking the life out of the podcast. Really, really he, he calls me a curse. I'll tell you. Really, really met ex- really met <laughs> expectations. That's all we did. <laughs> Do you always have mood swings when you drink, or no? Is that not? I'm not, not really drinking now. Not now. I haven't not had now, a drink. just on Saturday a, night. I haven't had a drink in ten minutes, officer. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> when did this become pick on Wookie night? When it was All right, so we've got some uh, giveaways that will be associated with the podcast tonight. Um, we've got a couple of copies of the uh, Fox Swift book, um, which is a brilliant and engaging new football book book for children, combining a gripping laugh-out-loud story with expert football tips and training drills from Hawthorne superstar, Cyril Rioli. Oh, just <laughs> post one out to me right now. That's, That's special. It, it has, it's the perfect read for any child who's passionate about Aussie rules. Now, you can uh, you can win this if uh, you get involved in the discussion thread that will come up with this podcast uh, tomorrow night. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so there'll be three of those, and you can get more details on that later in the show, as it were. But first off, there's some news going around. There's not a hell of a lot of news, but there is some news. 
And uh, the Essendon club, Dr. Bruce Reed, has had his charges dropped by the AFL and is now free to resume working at the Bombers. Effective today, Carolyn Wilson's had a bit of a spew about it. Um, apparently it's against all that she stands for or something. Uh, well, I think that's good to say. I think that's good to say. I think common sense has prevailed there in a way. The AFL just wants it over and done with and doesn't want this continuing. Hey, hang on, hang on. Why? Why? How, how, how does this happen? That he just gets off? Well, when did... well, he wasn't involved, was he? He was He was there trying to get around him to get it all happening. I'm just trying to think back. I think the CEO might have lost his job because he didn't know what was going on. Yeah, look, I, I don't entirely buy the AFL's reasoning for it, but um, I think they really just wanted it all over and done with, and I think it's something we'll talk to prosecutor about next week. I, I thought he might walk away without his job, but nothing else and uh, no other sanctions. But, uh, you know, it's sort of some sort of amicable leaving of the club, but the fact that he's back down there, and yeah, I, it, it does sit a little bit funny. Yeah. Well, I guess what we, and I think we might have pointed this out in weeks past. He, he actually had a hell of a lot on yeah, at stake, um, and he may have faced medical board sanctions uh, on this. Um, so I guess he was obviously all dug in and had the had the uh, he'd gone to the barricades and he was ready to slug it out with them in court. And I, maybe it's just it came down to how much money are we willing to spend on. Uh, on uh, shaking this guy out, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Professionally, it's a good thing for him, and um, you know he did he did go to more more he did make more effort to try to stop things, but maybe he didn't go far enough. But you know it's all water under the bridge now, isn't it? All right. And uh, secondly, the Age have reported that the Hawks have elected not to continue contract talks with uh, Buddy Franklin. Have withdrawn their contract offer as uh, late uh, well as early as uh, late July and uh, apparently are resigned to losing Lance Franklin. The other side of the coin is that GWS have no idea what Buddy Franklin is doing, apparently, according to the article. Messenger? I wouldn't believe everything you read. I No, I'm not convinced that's correct. Do you want to keep him, or do you want him to leave? I think if you've got one of the best 15 players in the league on your list, you're probably better off with them than without them. And uh, so in that regard, I'd rather he stay. Um, you can argue about whether he's worth the money and he's worth the money for the entirety of his contract, and that's a fair argument given that he's 27 now. But um, I would not be in favour of losing him in free agency, put it that way. Mm. I'd agree with Messenger because I, it seems a really weird U-turn that, that's happened because I thought Franklin was showing all signs that he was going to stay um, up until the last few weeks. So this is kind of a bizarre out-of-nowhere piece that, you know, that back in July they, they took uh, the contract off the table. Hawthorne have been very, very, very tight, tightly run in the last couple of years in terms of information coming out of the club. Um, so I, yeah, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think they're a little bit off radar. I still think he'll stay. I mean, I'm, you know, it's quite possible I could be wrong, but I... The, the very small things I hear is that he's more likely to stay than go. I have a theory that he's off to Frio. I think we've just got so much <laughs> in the, the the salary cap space that we haven't made an open play um, for anyone else, really else, and he's the only one that I can see will really take up a huge chunk. And if it's the numbers that are being thrown around, you know, one point two, one point five a year. Um, we certainly could squeeze him in. We think we've got more salary cap space than. 
probably GWS do at the moment. So with um, possibility of, you know, Pavlich, Sandlands, McFarlane all going veteran status and taking a chunk out of a, the um, cap space, we can definitely afford him. And there has been some rumours about him being cited in WA or wanting to come over to his um, girlfriend, Sharad. So. Well, <laughs> I guess it, from a from a footballing point of view, at the stage of his career that he's at, it makes far more sense to go somewhere like Fremantle than it does to go to a two-win team with a, with a bunch of kids. I mean, he's far more likely to be successful at Fremantle. I think Hawthorne are in the 1 to 1.1 million range. That's around about where I think they're off the tops out, um, plus whatever third-party deals that are, are arranged. But uh, it would make more sense if he was going to leave that he would go somewhere like the Dockers. If if he does go to Freo, what will actually uh, Hawthorne get as a uh, compensation pick, especially if they finish as high as they will with um, Uh, uh, the first round being 17 or 18 pick? Under the current rules, I think we would get... I think we get the maximum is an end of first round, and that's it. Jeez. And plus a Lance Franklin-shaped hole in our salary cap. Mm. Maybe you're lucky and get a buddy ball while you're at it. Yeah. We might, but put this way, put this way. They, they, if if he doesn't stay, they're ready, and they've got a bloody great big war chest to spend. Well, there you have it, Free. I think they've got him, so he's going to end up at Melbourne. <laughs> he's he's going to do a Mitch Clark on it on you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, Carlton have joined the list of clubs to conduct a clean out of their lists. Eight players were delisted today. Um, as well as uh, promising Jeremy Laidler they'll try to find a new home for him. This makes uh, 69 players that have been delisted from 14 clubs as of today. Um, that includes retirements for a lot of them. So there's about six clubs that have delisted uh, about 69 players in total. Um, so anybody there you'll miss on that list? I looked and I went, who are these guys? Yeah. No, there's I a lot the of that, that would have been about four or five off the rookie list, wouldn't there, it? There's a couple yeah. of guys that have played a few games. Aaron Joseph, uh, been the probably the biggest of them. And when you know Aaron Joseph's the biggest guy on that list, it's yeah. uh, it's not really for me. It's not a huge loss, and none of it's really surprising to be honest, Adrian. No, nothing surprising about that. It's it's just a bit of a shame that you know, looking at where Laidler's ended up, you know, he was. Uh, he was probably the general of our back line in 2011, and here he is, can't get a game and looking for another club. So, And he'll probably figure. get one, I think. So, Oh, he'll get one, no, no problem. But, uh, but uh, what concerns me is that oh, there's maybe seven or eight clubs that have delisted nearly 60 players on their own. The rest is retirements and, you know, attrition and whatnot. But uh, it, there's about eight clubs still to um, announce any delistings. We're talking like nearly 100 to 120 players by the time this is all done, potentially. It's going to be a deep draft this year. It it, it better be a deep draft. There's going to be a lot of recycling going on otherwise. There'll be a lot of free agent. I think you'll find the free agent market will open up more and more as as the seasons go on. And and teams will get... There'll be a bit more, how we say, flexibility in the labour market. There'll be a lot more guys coming in and out of clubs on one and two year deals and... And uh, I think they'll they'll cut deep more often now. And it, I find it interesting that Carlton could cut so deeply at the end of the season, and you've got eight, you've cut what a, a fifth of your list, 
and you look at them and you think, who are these blokes? I mean, that doesn't say much for the junior development at Carlton, does it? No. Well, the basically, question would are... be, would, would any of those guys actually make it at another club? Like you'd probably say Joseph and Laidler would, but would anyone else be picked up if they went back into the draft or through free agency? It's, it's no. Hard. I, I don't think so. We had those. We had, we had people um, players signed to two year contracts at the wrong time. So they, a lot of those guys would have actually been gone last year if they weren't contracted. So it was just a bit of mismanagement, probably. You know, and they should have been gone a bit earlier. But they've all played senior games, or at least one senior game. So mm. yeah, yeah and half of them are rookies, as we said. Yeah, so there's not a lot of um, there's there's not a lot of quality in the group that's going. And Joseph's best days were well and truly behind him. So, we move on. Have we have we got a delistings thread on the main board? I guess we there do. is. I well, I'm not the OP, but I'm the one updating the OP in that uh, thread. So, see so if there's any exciting names I can get excited about. <laughs> no, not really. There's a few uh, a few surprising ones at Melbourne, perhaps uh, Roden, but um, you know, otherwise well, surprising. He was on the list. Well, yeah. There's a lot of uh, there's just a lot of fat being trimmed, as it were. I think I think people, it's just it's a surprise that so many clubs are doing it all at the same time. I think everyone's fed up with um, coming, you know, falling outside the eight or falling outside the four, and uh, everyone's going for list regeneration. But they're all doing it at the same time, and that's going to make the draft very interesting this year. Can, can we say that Carlton uh, uh, won the uh, lost the uh, Greek for Collins trade? Richmond? Yeah, that's probably a fair assessment in my opinion. Um, yes. He, uh, yeah, they get definitely getting more out of Grigg than we are getting out of uh, Collins. Indeed. Especially Indeed. now that Collins is gone. Not that we want Grigg back, though. Yeah, we don't want Grigg back, though. Um, they can keep him. The mercenary. Um, and finally, a uh, nice big statue of John Coleman has been unveiled outside the MCG. Uh, it was uh, unveiled on Wednesday on the Avenue of Legends alongside Ron Barassi, Don Bradman and Shane Warne. And that's pretty much it for the news. Nothing really major. Um, Nothing really big coming out of uh, the West uh, in terms of footy news, you know, other than the fact the state's broke, apparently. And um, nothing out of South Australia this week. Just nothing, really. It's very low-key news uh, heading up to the uh, Brownlow and everything next week. So did you just say Western Australia is broke? Well, they've lost their AAA rating. They're going to have to start selling assets, apparently, because everyone has to have a AAA rating. You know how it is. Hang on. So this is the town that's drowning in mine... The city, the state that's drowning in mining money, and they're broke? Apparently so. Wow. Have they bought every every citizen a Malu Ute and a jet ski, have they? Apparently they have. Uh, anyway. Uh, so that brings us up to the match reviews from the weekend. And uh, we will start with Carlton and Sydney from Saturday night. Uh, guys, you're ready for this? I'm ready for it. I don't know if you boys are. <laughs> so, I think I think uh, we're as ready as we're ever likely to be for this. <laughs> Alrighty, on Saturday night, on a very uh, slippery uh, ANZ Stadium, the Swans, 13-8-86, defeated Carlton, 8-14-62. The goal kickers for Sydney, Parker kicked three, McVeigh, Jack, Cunningham, two apiece, O'Keefe, 
Kennedy, Jetta and Bolton all kicked one for Carlton. White kicked three bets, two. Armfield, Gibbs and Robinson won apiece. The best for the Sydney Swans were McVeigh, Parker, Jack, Hanabury, Grundy and Cunningham. While the best for Carlton were Walker, Murphy, Simpson, Henderson and McLean. The Swans sustained two injuries uh, very early in the game. Uh, Tippett did his leg and Mitchell did an ankle. While uh, for Carlton, Troy Menzel was replaced in the selected side by Brock McLean. Jamison uh, may have done a neck injury. Kerno may have done a knee. And Gallant may have done a leg. But since they're not playing until next year, not really a big deal now. Uh, 37,980 people watched this game at ANZ Stadium. And uh, to the victors go the spoils. And Vaughn, how did you see the game? Um, look, first... I've already mentioned this. I was really disappointed with the ground. Um, but more than that, I was really disappointed with um, the injuries. And to be completely honest, I'm surprised Carlton didn't challenge us further because when Mitchell went down, I thought that we were we were essentially gone because we were down two rotations. Um, as for the game itself, I was really impressed with... From a Sydney perspective, our chain of handballs and in a weird sense, um, it was kind of nice to see our midfield up and running and kicking goals and that's kind of a luxury that we haven't been allowed with Tippett being in the side and being so Tippett focused. Um, I'm not trying to say that you know we're necessarily a better side or a worse side with Tippett, but I just think that given we haven't won any games against the top four, to have Tippett go down with injury and force us to adapt how we play and um, come off with a win was one of the biggest positives for me. Yeah, I mean, I thought um, coming out of the game, um, Jared McVeigh had an absolutely outstanding game across halfback and into the midfield where people focus on that he, the fact that he got 42 disposals, but he also took... Nine marks, kicked two goals, and had five tackles. So he was, you know, in, everywhere on the field. Um, and uh, as well as McVeigh, Grundy had another great game, uh, which would have been really reassuring if Richards had, Richards had been out for the Frio game, which luckily he isn't. Uh, so we don't have to worry about that too much. But yeah, it was it was great to see the team gel together um, in the absence of Tippett and Mitchell. When, like Vaughn, I assumed being down a rotation would pretty much spell the end for us. Um, so it was really good to see the way the team responded um, and looks really positive going into next week. Right. And uh, ODN, you've obviously got a different view of this. <laughs> I don't know if it's a different view. I agree pretty much with what they're saying. Um, you know, I'm not going to... I, I, I see things pretty much the same way in terms of how the Swans went. Look, the surface was terrible. Um, players were going into every contest at three-quarter pace. And I do, I do think it took away from the spectacle. And it was a bit weird because it wasn't one of those surfaces where you needed longer stops. It was, somebody mentioned that it, you almost needed to be wearing sneakers because the stops didn't penetrate the hard surface. It was just like a sheet of glass or concrete or something. But, and the, but the, to the Swans' credit, they played on the same surface and they handled it far better than we did. Um, it just it just really blunted what we were hoping to get out of the game. That was using our pace and using those small forwards and stuff. And, and nobody really got a full head of steam up on the night. Um, it makes that there's no excuse for the fact that you know the Swans got about a hundred uncontested possessions more than we did. So the work rate obviously wasn't up. 
um, they had five players with 30-plus disposals. We had one Carlton player that had 30-plus disposals, and that was Walker, and that's because he was down back mopping up. Um, 39 tackles only for Carlton. And you not you can't go into a game against Sydney and hope to win uh, uh, with 39 tackles. You know, um, they had 60. That's a massive discrepancy. So, you know, I, at the time, you're sitting there going, the surface, the surface, it's really killing us. And then you start looking at the stats and you're going, no, the Swans are actually just working a lot harder. McVeigh's personal hygiene seriously needs some work because nobody would go near him. Um, <laughs> um, we, I think Henderson was one of the only players who could handle the surface for us. Um, you know, I think you mentioned Walker Simpson and, and Yaron actually got a fair bit of the ball. Betts kicked a couple of goals in what's probably his last performance for Carlton. So, you know, um, it's good to see he did something. But, you know, we went from 18-8 last last week to eight goals, 14 this week. You know, so the bad kicking that we have, it has been plaguing us all year came back when it mattered. You know, we really needed to stand up in that regard. Um, we failed to score in the third quarter. And it was mentioned that it's the first time since 1959 we've failed to score in a quarter of finals football. But I had a look at, uh, at Sydney. They failed to score in the last quarter. And as far as I can see, and somebody can correct me on this, it's the first time since the 1918 grand final that Sydney have failed to score in a, in a quarter of finals football. So really weird game. Um, and what's the stat for, for no score at one end for the entire half? I, I, didn't even, I didn't even note that <laughs> one, no. Yeah, um, no, that'd be a crazy one. Yeah, um, so look, but at the end of the day, you know, we were lucky. Sydney sort of uh, took the foot off the gas a little bit. We, we we came back in and made the score respectable a little bit. Um, and it's funny for all our hopes and dreams and and everything on the board that we could just keep keep the fairy tale going. After the match, um, there was there was no real. There was no real angst. I think the first thread started on the Carlton board was, thank you, Carlton. So it really had a 1999 prelim feel about it where we'd, we'd had our grand final the week before and and we were just, you know, sort of appreciative that they'd given us a bit of a bonus round. And, um, you know, so I don't know whether the players were feeling the same as the fans, but it was just, it, it really wasn't a game from maybe quarter time onwards. Mm. Oh, what about the neutral guys? Did you watch this at all, Seppo, Messenger? Yeah, I, I sat down and watched this game, and it was um, interesting watching how damaging the Sydney midfield can be. When you look at the numbers that Hanabry, Jack, O'Keefe all racked up, it just shows that once, I think it was Kerno that went down, um, if you don't have a defensive-minded um, midfield group, if you let them get away, Sydney will hurt you. And that sort of, for me, you know, looking at our likely opponents... Um, Obviously, Sydney, the ones that came through, it just shows how crucial the midfield battles will be. And unfortunately for Carlton, they lacked a bit there um, through that midfield group. But um, yeah, for me, it just sort of highlighted where Sydney are strong. And I really thought that with Tippett going down and Mitchell, that they would struggle. Um, and Carlton looked like they um, pegged it back a bit, but um, obviously the class just showed. And I don't know how much that took out of Sydney or if they took the foot off the pedal on purpose. Um, in the third or fourth whenever they failed to score but it'll be interesting to see how fit and firing I suppose Carlton would be more relieved that they didn't have to go around another week again flying all the way over to Subiaco to face us yeah what about you messenger did you see this 
I actually went out for dinner on uh, Saturday night uh, after I'd enjoyed watching the VFL preliminary final. Just a no will do. I don't need your life story. <laughs> I also, I went to the Station Hotel in Footscray. I had a very nice steak. Fortunately, it was a very expensive steak. Thank you, Maribyrnong Council Parking Officers, you bastards. But anyway, uh, no, I did, I did not watch the game, no. Uh, just uh, before we move on, the state of the surface at ANZ Stadium was a bit of a talking point after the game, and during the game for that matter. Uh, it was interesting noting Cameron Ling at the very start saying he didn't think it would affect the game, and then like halfway through the first quarter, that opinion turned around like a full 180. Um, how big a part did the surface play, do you think? For me, um, I actually went and, you know, like Googled up after the game what the coaches' reactions were. And it was interesting that uh, both coaches tried to downplay the influence it had on the game. Um, and I think Mick Malthouse even came out and said, like, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. But look, just watching it and being at the ground, it didn't seem that bad. But then you watch a replay and um, Colton just couldn't get any run and they just didn't. None like Sydney, not so much, but Colton definitely looked like they had no faith in their footing. And I mean, if they're second guessing that, then how well can they execute their game plan? So I do think it definitely affected them a lot more than us. I don't think it would have changed the outcome of the match, but it would have made it a lot closer. I think part, part of the problem for Carlton was that we rely like Mick Malthouse's game plan relies on them going along the wings, and it's the wings where the problem was. Um, like in terms of washing the, uh, apparently it was where they washed all the paint off from the NRL game the night before and where the stands were moved in um, and that's all on the wings and that's where we kind of play while well, we're supposed to play and yeah I, sorry yeah go on yeah I mean I agree in, in the sense that I do think it definitely affected the gameplay but for those who are blaming the injuries on the surface I think um Arguably, I don't think it had a huge influence in that respect because, um, from what I understand, Tippett was actually carrying that injury into the game. Kerno's seemed to be more of a twisting... Correct me if I'm wrong, it was a twisting of his ankle or his knee beneath another player. Um, yeah, that was and, in the middle of the ground as well. And I think Mitchell's yeah. was on the opposite side of the ground, yeah. not even where that affected area was. So yeah, it, it was, was funny exactly. just to see um, what you said before, Wookie, about Carlton actually playing down that wing. Um, it's funny how the players didn't adapt and actually go down the opposite side or actually play through the midfield. It was just funny they kept on going through there, and it was hilarious. I think where I saw Yaron or Betts run down there with no one near him just slip over on the uh, surface. Oh, it was hap- and, and it was noticeable that Carlton players were the only ones slipping over, especially in the second half. Um, the Sydney guys all up and about, running around like the you know there was no problems at all, and Carlton guys just couldn't keep their feet. It was it was. Oh. I, th- I think it got into their head a fair bit and uh, they probably became more tentative than they needed to be. And you know, Because the last quarter, when there was basically the game was all over, we, we, we tended to um, have a bit of confidence running the ball after that. So I, I just, yeah, it's... I, I, I think Bond has probably made a, a terrific point in all of this. The players have to be able to trust the service they're playing on. And I don't think we've had... A surface like that since the the bad old days of, of Eddie had uh, six or seven years ago when the service was breaking up under people's feet it, it's just not acceptable um, in in this day and age and frankly if they can't get it right there they should abandon abandon the ground and play it at um, 
played at the SCG. I mean, well, SCG yeah. wasn't available this time around. Well, I think uh, it had a worse surface than ANZ at this stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I think if this situation arises next year, um, that we'll, we'll find a different story. But uh, yeah. I don't think the AFLPA will wear this again. The contract well, yeah, is they're contracted to play there until about 2018, aren't they? Uh, I think there's another two years to run on the contract. 16, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 16 I think, yeah. Well, I, I, and I wonder how much, because not being a Sydney side of it, that, that ground's a fair way away from perhaps where the Swans' traditional fan base is. They'd be more towards the central central Sydney, would that be fair to say? Yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but so, it's actually quite easy to get to. I mean, I think it's kind of overplayed because the train line is, makes it quite easy to get to, and even to drive, it's only about a half an hour drive from you know eastern slash northern suburbs. Okay. So that's if I you want. Think... That's if you want to take public transport. If you live on the other side of the bridge where there's no public transport, it would. You can It's drive. a pain to get to. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I think it's overblown a little bit, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Alrighty, and into the second game for the weekend now. Uh, this was uh, Geelong versus Port Adelaide. This game was played at the MCG on Friday night, um, where Geelong 13 18 96 defeated Port Adelaide 12 8 80. The goal kick is for Geelong. Chapman kicked four, Hawkins two, Motlop two. Duncan, Bartell, Corey, Christensen, and Selwood all kicked one each. Port Adelaide's goal kickers were Westhoff, who kicked three. Schultz two, Ebert, Monfries, Lobby. Logan, Gray, Broadman, and Hartlett kicked one each. And the best for Geelong, Chapman, Johnson, Corey, Selwood, Motlop, and Kelly. For Port Adelaide, Corns, Moore, Westhoff, Bowick, and Monfries. Uh, Jared Rivers was the only injury out of this particular game, and he was replaced by Taylor Hunt in the final quarter. 52,744 watched this game at the MCG. We have no Geelong people, and we have no Port people on tonight. So, um... How did we see the game, guys? Did any of us see the game, and uh, what were your impressions? Well, I was there, and the only thing I took out of the whole game was I was actually trying to work it out afterwards if you could say that Geelong looked like they were really tiring and struggling, especially after the previous week, and just be able to get through the game, or if that's credit to Port Adelaide and their fitness guys and be able to back it up after um, a very good season, also knocking off Collingwood the week before. I just couldn't work out if... Collingwood just looked tired and I'm oh, sorry if Geelong looked tired and old or if Port was just showing that they've actually got a great fitness base now in that young group so it can go either way but it was sort of good to see they actually held in and it wasn't a full blowout I, I, I did watch most of the game um, pretty much everything went right for Port up to half time and, and, uh, and they, they took it on, they, they were daring they ran the ball and the little 50-50 things went mostly went their way in the first half but but really once Geelong got got their got their uh their share of it too then it, it became a blowout pretty quickly really and um they we keep saying they're not playing very well they're a very very good football team and uh Hawthorne certainly got their work cut out for them on tomorrow on Friday night yeah any other comments 65 inside 50s to 39 um that kind of tells the tale, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think it does really. I mean, they just they took every chance they had in the first half, Port, and they just didn't get enough to stay in the game in the second half. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I only I only caught the first quarter uh, and then a bit of the last quarter, 
But yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, Port really surprised me about how they could come out of the block so quickly and really take it to Geelong. Um, so it's just a pity, I guess. I mean, it was relatively close in the end, but it would have been nice if it was a little bit closer at the end, a little bit more dramatic. Okay, we're going to take a break shortly. But uh, just a reminder that we are giving away three copies of Fox Swift, uh, the brilliant and engaging new football book for children uh, that uh, does uh, also include football tips and training drills from Cyril Rioli. From um, who? Cyril Rioli, that's right. Hawthorne superstar Cyril Rioli? Delicious. I say, yeah. and, I, uh, say I want a copy of that book. How would I get one? If you would like to win a copy of this book, uh, we are giving three copies <laughs> I would. We are giving three copies away. Um, and all you need to do to be involved in that is post uh, in the thread discussing the podcast tonight uh, with uh, something to do with the book title, which is, of course, Fox Swift. It is by David Lawrence with Cyril Rioli. Um, it apparently concerns an 11-year-old football star whose family moves from the city to the small country town of Davenal, uh, where Fox has then got to choose which of the two towns, uh, town's two teams to join, either the Rich Dragons or the Diggers. And uh, we'll talk a bit more about that later on, but first, the break, and then we're going to come back and talk about this weekend's games. talking about this week's games. Uh, ODN has left us since he's got no more real input into this uh, final series. Um, for this, uh, we've got Seppo, Von and SM here from the respective uh, Frio and Sydney boards. This game will be played on Saturday at 5.45 at Patterson Stadium. Uh, last time these sides met was in round eight, I believe, uh, where the Swans drew with Fremantle at the SCG. Uh, this game will be played, of course, at Patterson Stadium, though, where last time they played was in round 20, 2010, where the Swans, 14-12-96, defeated Fremantle, 13-9-87. Uh, from their last couple of encounters, it's 3-2 the Swans' way. Um, Swans are the away team for this. How, uh, how are the Sydney people feeling about the game? Um, I know there's been a massive deal made on... 
I guess, the media and also on Big Footy about our injuries. And I don't want to harp on about that because I feel like that's been too talked about already. What I am going to say is that our midfield is still intact. Probably. I don't want to do any more ins and outs because I was so (laughs) appalling at last week. But I do think Benny's going to be back. And so he slots right into our midfield. I think our midfield and also our Ruckman is going to actually decide the outcome of the game, and that's why I give us a chance. Um, against Carlton, we actually lost the hitouts, and I looked at uh, Fremantle versus Geelong two weeks ago, and Fremantle killed them like 53 to 16, um, and we cannot afford that. So we really need Mumford uh, and Pike to step up, and give our real midfield a chance and they need to, you know, have a really high work rate. They need to cover for the loss of Tippett by running hard forward and um, kick goals. So, yeah, I'm feeling okay about this game. Yeah, I mean, um, Vaughn touched on it earlier, so it's it's a bit of a contentious issue, but I think with Tippett out of the team, I don't necessarily think we'll be playing better, but I think we'll actually change our style uh, which will match up quite well on Frio. Um, I think not having one tall target up forward will allow a much more unpredictable spread of goal kickers, which will help us maybe break through the Fremantle press. Um, and hopefully it'll um, see our gut-running midfielders kick a few goals. Hanabry got off the leash last time against them when playing on Crowley, and I think kicked four goals from memory. Um, so hopefully he can replicate that effort. And um, Kieran Jack... Uh, Josh Kennedy and the others can also chip in with a couple of goals. All right, and uh, Seppo, how are you uh, seeing the game up? Uh, well, um, after watching the Sydney-Carlton game battle it out, it's, it looked like a battle of the wounded, and the way that Sydney's going to come across, like uh, Yvonne and uh, SM have just mentioned, the Midfield's still intact, so that's my only worry at the moment because I think we've got them covered in other areas of the, the fields with our defence and the, the way our rucks are shaping up at the moment with the form of Sandy and Clark. So that midfield matchup's going to be quite crucial to winning the game. Um, and how they play Subiaco will be quite interesting, and especially if there's weather. It sounds like there's a bit of wet weather forecast for Saturday night's game. Um, in terms of our changes expected changes obviously when the sides are announced tomorrow um looks like we're going to bring in our all australian michael johnson the defender into the side and we'll probably cut one of the youngsters in either sutcliffe or sheridan a second year player so um it's really going to strengthen our side and it's unfortunate for uh sydney to lose tippet and mitchell um like i've mentioned earlier and i think i've read that um mcglynn brandon jack and gary rowan i think are on the plane as we speak so out of those three will probably become the inclusions into the side for two of the um two of the three possible changes for them. So I'm quietly confident with the way our team lined up, but it's gonna be quite an interesting midfield battle. I'm glad to hear about uh the people on the plane because uh Brandon, Jack and Rowan, they're both pretty speedy and I th- I didn't actually look at the forecast, so I'm a bit disappointed to hear that it'll be wet because I was kind of hoping that we could burn off Frio with our pace. So to hear that it's wet, it's a bit disappointing, but hopefully it'll be okay. Yeah, and I'll, I'll echo that. Um, interestingly, Von and I disputed only either Rowan or Brandon Jack as the ins, so it's good to hear that they're both on the plane and in contention to be selected. All right, so Messenger, how, do you, how have you seen this game up? Well, 
I cannot actually imagine a better preparation for Frio. They had, they've got almost all of their players. I think they've probably got a full list to choose from. They did very well in the qualifying final. They've had a week off. They're at home. They're raring to go. I mean, they would be very, very short price favourites for this game. With no disrespect to Sydney, but Sydney have done it the hard way. They've had a couple of uh, very tough games in trying circumstances. They've got a, a very long injury list. I mean, it, it really is all pointing towards Fremantle. And uh, I guess from a, a spectator's point of view, you hope it's a close one, but you do feel like the potential's there. If uh, Fremantle really get their uh, get their groove on, that they could um, uh, really um, punish the Swans because they have dropped off badly in the last couple of quarters. They obviously ran out of rotations uh uh, last weekend, but they they really fell away badly in the qualifying final. And they they look like a team who who's tired and uh, and um, yeah. So um, it's going to be interesting to see um, how uh, how Fremantle um, perform on the big stage. I mean, they've had a, a couple of finals at home in the past, and they've uh, got to big stages in the past. And this will be a big mental challenge for them as well. It's the, the height, the furthest they've ever got. They're playing against a very experienced team, and I wonder whether there's the uh, there's the potential for a little bit of stage fright because it's all in their hands. I mean, they're they're the uh, raging favourites for this one. Yeah, well, that weather forecast for the weekend it will be a minimum of eleven, maximum of twenty one, with a possible afternoon shower. Uh, so it's not going to bucket down, but. You know, a little bit of I've rain. Heard it's is... going to be windy as well, and that can also affect the uh, kicking, and that might play into home ground advantage if they know how to play it. But um, like you touched on before, Messenger, with the um, hunger, I think Fremantle obviously have a lot of uh, driving factors to be able to get them across the line, and their fitness um, base. We're obviously with the week off going to be able to run out four quarters, so I know if it's going to be a tight game that I'll back ourselves in for the yeah. last quarter. Mm. Uh, I just want to say with Messenger that like, with our finals experience, I don't think I don't know if the team we're fielding has that much finals experience. To be completely honest with you, um, I need to have a look at the lineup, obviously. But I think we had, I think we were younger than Colton last week. Yeah, we were. Well, we had less, we had less experience. Yeah. Yeah, so that that would be interesting. But honestly, Hart says Sydney by like twelve. Head says Fremantle by like forty-seven. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, 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 that's the way I, I guess I perceive it going as well. That this really, it's just going to be that that one final bridge, and it might just be a bridge too far on Saturday night for the Swans. Yeah, I think I think Frio will win, uh, will win this game not easily, but I think Frio will definitely win. Yeah, I think it'll be that twenty to thirty point margin to Frio. Oh. I can't see us kicking too far away if we do go out to a winning lead because we obviously want something left in the tank for the week after. So um, I can't see us blowing a, a side away unless Sydney just crumble and let us walk walk through into goal. So it'll be closer than a lot of people think. Uh, Fremantle have played nine finals for four wins and five losses. Uh, the Dockers will be looking for their first consecutive finals wins ever. Uh, the Swans will be playing in their 13th preliminary final, won seven of their previous 12, dating back to 2005. Uh, this is the seventh uh, season Ross Lyon has been a senior coach, and his teams have made the finals in six of them. Um, he has seven wins in finals, six losses and a draw. Uh, this will be his fourth preliminary final, and uh, 
John Longmire will be coaching his eighth finals match for five wins and two losses. He will be in his second consecutive preliminary final. Uh, and this final, the, uh, the second preliminary final, has seen the Premiership team come in the four of the last five seasons. So it bodes well for Frio, I think. But they'll still need to get over whoever wins uh, from the other game of the weekend. Mm. So a few, few interesting things there. You can see all that on the AFL website's preview of the game, which is, of course, where we get all of our information from anyway. <laughs> um, and coming up, we're going to look at the Geelong and Hawthorne game. Is the Kennet curse still alive? Who knows? Messenger's going to tell us all about it. And we're going to be joined by SJ. I guess uh, it's, it's a fairly big game on the weekend, SJ. That's right. Um, to be honest... Uh I guess the Port game went a little bit how I expected. Um, we struggled for parts of it how we've done maybe for the last six or so weeks, um, even against somewhat poorer sides. Um, we probably struggled to have an effective forward line again, um, continued to bomb the ball along to pack situations where we couldn't capitalise. And then on the rebound, we were sort of cut apart when the opposition um, was allowed to run and carry. Um, but thankfully, our... Um, I guess senior players and a few of the youngsters stepped up in the second half and we were good enough to get over the line. It wasn't a convincing win, um, but it gets us to our, I think, sixth preliminary final in the past seven years, which I think on anyone's um, on anyone's judgment is a, is a very good effort in this day and age of uh, equalisation. Um, so it's Hawthorne again, and um, yeah, I'm sure Messenger and I have uh, some interesting points to bring up for that one. Yes, yes. Well, I tell you what, from a Hawthorne point of view, um, and I think I probably safely speak for most Hawthorne supporters, there is no excuse this time. There is no excuse to be. This is this game is not negotiable from a Hawthorne point of view. Uh, we are well rested. We've got most of our team to pick from. We're in reasonable form, and really, we. This is just, we just have to win this. If we don't, then uh, I think big uh, chief server chooks will actually all uh, expire <laughs> on, on Friday night. It's, it'll be ugly. Okay. But, uh, Hawthorne, um, they've they come into the, into the finals in reasonable form. I wouldn't say they're in absolutely sterling nick, but they're in good form. They're more versatile than the 2012 version. They are certainly defending very well. They probably, Geelong probably match up on them as well as anybody, but um, really I think uh, Hawth if Hawthorne do what they have been doing for the last six weeks, they, they should win. And uh, I've decided this week to not live my life in fear of the Kennet curse. I just tell everybody that it's over. We're going to kick the monkey off our back on Friday night and, uh, and we're going to do it. All right, this game will be played Friday night, obviously, at uh, 10 to 8 at the MCG. Um, there's a few, a few, few things. The Cats have won 11 straight over the Hawthorne since 2008, leading many to believe in the Kennet curse, as it were, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, in matches between the two teams at the MCG, Geelong has had the better of Hawthorne winning 14 games to 4, Hawthorne have an edge in the finals, winning four games to three, including two or three grand finals. Uh, this will be the first time the teams have played in a preliminary final. 
Uh, Hawthorne will be playing in its 74th finals match. Its win-loss record is 45-28. to 28. It will be aiming for consecutive grand final appearances for the first time since 1988 and 89. Uh, Geelong have played 110 finals for 50 wins and 59 losses and a draw. So, here we go. Yeah, I'd like to agree with what uh, with what Messenger said. Just from from a from an unbiased, um, I guess, objective look at it, it's difficult to see. Well, I think to myself, if Hawthorne cannot beat Geelong this week, honestly, like when are they going to beat us? Because um, from what I know, Hawthorne pretty much have a full list to pick from. But the week off, they had quite a handy win in the first uh, qualifying final. Yeah, finished top. Um, you know, and then I look at Geelong, and I mean Geelong's form probably since we last beat Hawthorne actually has been pretty ordinary. Um, we still don't have a first ruckman, which is a huge issue. So we get beaten out of there most weeks. Um, our full forward's still completely immobile. We've lost Enright now, and also we've lost Chapman. Um, and I just, I just really struggle with thinking that even if we do win the midfield battle, where are we going to keep the goals from? Um, you know, Murdoch bobbed up in the last match against Hawthorne and kicked three, but I don't think he's going to play. I think Chapman will come in for... Uh, sorry, Caddy will come in for Chapman. Um, and it's just... It's, it's been a real problem in recent uh, weeks for Geelong, kicking enough goals, even though we've um, had far more inside 50s in our position. Um, so it'll be interesting, interesting to see if something uh, out of the ordinary happens again, like it's happened in recent matchups between these two teams or if Hawthorne probably gets the result on paper that they should have got in some other matches in recent years. Yeah. I think if Geelong win it, if the guy who wins it for, for you is probably someone like Motlop or Johnson, some a small forward kicking goals. Yeah. Um, certainly, Podsy Adley's form is not brilliant, but he'll... I would think Gibson will go with Podsy Adley, um, and if not him, then Stratton. And I think Lake will take whoever stays deep, which is likely to be Hawkins, and he's looking slightly more mobile than he has in the last few weeks, which is to say not very mobile. But really, all he has to be able to do is contest and stick his hands in the air, and he's he's three quarters of the way there. But um, from Hawthorne's point of view, we really need to find a good spot for Buddy and and be able to. So I would think he'll play fairly high and hope that Lonigan gets dragged up the ground with him and uh, and then allow um, Gunston, uh, Gunston and, and Roughhead to, to be a bit closer to home. So uh, and then be, Who would Gunston uh, get from Geelong, SJ? Um, well, probably I would have thought if he's playing as your third tall for most of the time, yeah. probably Rivers. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is, which... One of the things that I think, and it surprises me why Hawthorne play like this every time against Geelong, and it, I think it's helped us win all these matches, is that I think Hawthorne plays into our hands. And, it, and it's interesting because pretty much every team has either beaten Geelong or got close to beating Geelong in the last six, five or six years, except Hawthorne, um, who haven't, haven't defeated us. When they've We've been, got close. You know, well, sorry, you've got close, but... You know, we would have lost to 12 teams in that time, maybe. But we haven't yeah. lost to Hawthorne. And and I think it's because the way they play against Geelong suits Geelong. So, for some reason, you always kick long to the tall targets. And that's where our defence 
um, over you know the last decade has been very settled. Um, and even again, I think our defence is too tall. And generally, teams beat us when their half forwards and their small forwards are the ones that cut us to shreds. And it really surprises me with with Franklin. Um, he always tries to get into strength contests with Lonigan, and Lonigan is actually pretty strong. But I'm surprised he just doesn't get on his bike and run him around the you know inside fifty all day. Um, you and me both, mate. You and me both. Yeah, and and, and it's it happens not every time. That, but it's not something that's confined to Lonigan. He does a lot of that, and you'll sometimes you'll see the ball coming to him, and you think to yourself, run at the bloody thing. But he yeah. stops. He looks. He he actually seeks contact in this hope that he'll sort of do the little dinky one to get around and then he'll, he'll run off and use his pace. But, I mean, it's, a, it's not a particularly high-yield way of doing things. And, and I, I think he's at his best when he's running at the ball and, and, and taking it at speed. And, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, yeah. I think that's exactly what he needs to do. But um, he, he bodies up on a lot of guys and, and, and it doesn't always work. Yeah, you no. think about Buddy's highlights of him running down the... Uh, wing into the 50 with uh, Hooker chasing him, and that's that's the buddy that we all uh, know and where he performs his best, and that's where his highlights come from. So yeah. you're right, SJ, that's where they um, seem to be catching them out. But it'll be interesting to see if they go with Hale, Roughhead, Franklin, and go really tall up up there and play into Geelong's trap of trying to kick long to him. Well, I sort of hope they do. Like, honestly, I think our, our back line is too tall, and, and you know, in the last... Six weeks we've had Mackie, Rivers, Bartell playing sort of third, fourth talls, plus Taylor and Lonigan, and we've just got all these talls and not enough smalls. And Hawthorne, you know, sort of threaten often to, to push Hale down there and Gunston and Ruffhead and Franklin, and I hope they do do that because I think that's probably one way that we might be able to nullify their forward line. But if Bruce and Rioli and Savage and you know your half forwards and your midfielders are kicking goals, I think we're going to struggle. Yeah, I, I, my my thing with Gunston will be that in watching him, what they did with him in, in the Sydney game is he actually started on the wing and just ran in rather than starting forward and leading out. And so I, I wonder whether he might actually get someone like Andrew Mackey who can go with him. But I, I would say one of the things about Gunston, I think he's one of the keys to the game, is that pound for pound, he's probably one of the best overhead marks in the league. For a guy that size, the number of contested marks he takes is quite staggering. Yeah. And and so it's a question of whether you play him small or play him tall, and whether you try and go for a Rivers to actually do the body work on him, or whether you go with a guy like Mackie who can run up and down the ground with him, because he will do that, and he yeah. gets a lot of marks between sort of 50 and 80 from goal. So that, that will be an interesting way, uh, interesting to see. Bruce is probably not in the 2012 form he had, um, Rioli, well, he hasn't played in weeks, so it's it's really hard to know what we'll get from him. But um, the interesting one will be from a Hawthorne selection point of view. Obviously, it'll be Spanger who'll who'll, who'll step out for for Buddy, but who they actually remove to play to take um, uh, to get Rioli into the team. And uh, I, I'm not sure that there's any room for Saint Shane Savage in this squad. He had a, a really good prelim final in the VFL, but. Uh, he kicked five goals in that win over Werribee, but he's now played on a Saturday afternoon, six-day break before a prelim final. Whether he'll actually come up for that is is, a, is another issue. So I, I tend to think um, there's probably no room for him in this side, and uh, you'll see perhaps someone like Brad Hill come out for, for, for Rioli or, or Jed Anderson. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The other thing... Um 
that, that I find that, that sort of gives Geelong a, a comparative advantage against Hawthorne is that um, our weak, one of our other weaknesses is, is a lack of, I guess, um, sort of uh, midfielders at, that, their, at their best age. So we've got a lot of midfielders who are 20, 21. We've got a mm. lot of midfielders who are 30 or above, and we've sort of got Selwood in the middle. Um, yeah. And usually, usually you're not a very, you know, you're not a premiership contender with that sort of framework of your midfield. However, Hawthorne's quite similar, and um, you know, like against against a North Melbourne or a team like that, we struggle because they've got so many of these 24, 25 year old strong, quick midfields, midfielders, mm-hmm. and they just they just bully us and run us off our legs because we either um, are too heavy for them or we're too light for them. But with Hawthorne. You know, you, you sort of your midfield's quite similar to ours. You've got quite a few there at the top who have been great players and are probably just lacking a yard. And then mm. you've got the next generation coming through. So we're never really beaten in the midfield um, heavily against Hawthorne, although we can be against worse sides than Hawthorne. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair point. And the thing, and, and we go back to the qualifying finals, the thing that Hawthorne had to do to beat Sydney was was win that contested ball and deny Sydney the ability to spread. And when Geelong get on their bike against Hawthorne, as many teams do, it's it's moving the ball and actually using leg speed against us, whereas Hawthorne really don't run quickly, but they move the ball quickly because they can... Yeah. They they kick they kick with precision and and uh, and and really run well for each other. They're very predictable to each other, and and that's been one of their strengths uh, certainly this season. But um, it is going to be yes. I shall be either very sad or very happy on Saturday. But um, I guess the danger from Hawthorne's point of view, without wishing to look too far ahead, is that is that this could be our grand final and. Uh, and we might have, uh, if we, we win, we might be uh, so pleased with it, we may not see the Dockers coming, uh, or the Swans, I should say, uh, the following week. SJ, what do you think your likely changes are this week with, um, is it Chapman to miss and what, Enright not to come back up? or? Yeah, so Enright, Enright didn't play last week. He got injured against um, Fremantle, but um, I would expect Chapman would miss. I mean, Chapman's missing, we know that, because he's, he's been suspended, but I would expect... I'd love Jordan Murdoch to play um, because I think we need more forward um, sort of targets or forward options. I guess he's not really a marking target, but he's sort of a half forward. He can he can he's quite fast and he can kick it a long way. Um, you might remember he kicked three goals against Hawthorne in the last quarter um, in the second half of this season. Um, so I'd actually I've been calling of him to come in for weeks for Hawkins and just have a bit more of a mobile forward line. I don't think he will come in though. I think Caddy will because Caddy's the better player at the moment. Um, but that just means that I mean, who's kicking our goals? Because Podsy Adley's not kicking any. Hawkins isn't kicking any. Chapman kicked four last week and he's out. You know, and you, you end up relying on Johnson and Motlot to kick all your goals. And um, no offence to them both, but they're both um, quite susceptible to a tag. Um, so it leaves you quite quite one-dimensional in a way. So probably Caddy will come in. The other thing I would do is, and I've been calling this for weeks as well, is I think we really have to play Trent West. And that's well, only because Kirsten? he's... Oh, I Kirsten don't think Kirsten's going to play. No. no. Surely, surely not. Um, but I, I would play Trent West as a ruckman because we just really need someone to at least not get dominated in the ruck. And Nathan Vardy gets talked up a lot, but I see him more as a forward uh, into the future and not as a ruckman. Um, and 
you know, if we lose, if we lose the ball out of the middle against Hawthorne, it's going to be trouble. Um, so yeah, I think minor changes, maybe one or two, but um, not too much from the team that beat Port. Mm. All right, guys. Neutrals. The other thing is, um, I'll just mention is that the uh, two reserve sides of these sides play on Sunday in the VFL Grand Final. So if you haven't got enough uh, Cats v Hawks on Friday night, tune in on Sunday and uh, see if the Geelong VFL team can go back to that. No one cares um, about the VFL. Oh, I do. <laughs> I would say the Geelong VFL team would be very, very warm favourites in that game. They're clearly the best team in that competition this season. All right, Seppo, what do you think about the game on the weekend? Um, well, I'm looking forward to the battle and just to see if uh, Geelong can continue the current longest head like team versus team winning streak because I've uh, just done a bit of research and Geelong and Hawthorne have an 11-game um, current win streak to Geelong's favour. So I hope they get through because I'd love to face uh, Geelong in a grand final over the Hawks. Yep. All right. We're going to move into the last uh, section here. Um, and that is what do we look forward to on the weekend the most? And I guess, Seppo, since you're neutral, to, uh, well, you're not neutral, you're playing this weekend. I'm neutral. I don't care. I don't care what you guys get up to. So, uh, Seppo... You're just you... looking forward to a week where uh, Carlton don't lose, isn't it? That's pretty much it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, rebuilding. I don't know. I got nothing. Um, Seppo, what are you looking forward to on the weekend the most? Uh, I'm looking for a ch- chance for uh, Fremantle to make their first grand final. And um, I'll be watching it at a pub down in Carlton and going off my chops if we uh, manage to get over Sydney because it's going to be a party all week leading up to the grand final. And, uh, Messenger, what are you looking forward to the most? I'm hoping to be able to wake up on Saturday morning and have a feeling of contentment and lightness that, that comes only with shaking uh, the monkey off your back. <laughs> and, uh, what about the footy, though? <laughs> well, it's the footy, too. I should think about the footy. But, look, it's... Um, it's yeah, look, Hawthorne don't have any excuses this weekend, and I'm confident they can get the job done. SM, what are you uh, looking forward to on the weekend, Mark? Um, Look, we're going in pretty much to the underdogs, so if the Swans can win, it would be defying the odds. So I guess I'm I'm looking forward to a good contest on Saturday. I don't want to walk away from the game disappointed. I, don't, I want to see us put in a 100% effort um, and really give it our all. If we lose, we lose. Freo are the better team on the day. But I just don't want to be left with a bit of taste like I was after the qualifying final against Hawthorne. And uh, SJ, what are you looking forward to the most, mate? Oh, I'm looking forward to getting back to the footy this weekend, and I reckon it'll be a ripper crowd. But to be honest, if uh, if, if it's a cr- close game, um, I won't be too disappointed, even if the Cats go down, because I think at the moment Hawthorne's best is, is probably out of our league. However, um, obviously, um, I'm hoping for another miracle. I think I've tipped Hawthorne about the last six times they played us, so uh, I might just do that one again if that's okay with you, Messenger. And it's um, not okay, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, right? And the funniest thing, though, whoever wins uh, out of the Cats fans and the Hawks fans this week, then actually have a, a far more nerve-wracking week ahead of them, um, as bad as we think this one is. As, as, as know, sorry, Messenger. I, I'd rather I'd rather lose the grand final to Fremantle than lose the prelim to Geelong. <laughs> I can at least say we. If I can say anything, I can say, well, we've at least sh- shaken, um, shaken that, that, uh, the curse off, shall we say. But, um, yeah. 
as a, as a neutral in all this, I look forward to uh, Geelong beating Hawthorne again. Uh, just because it'll amuse the crap out of me. It really will. I don't care what happens on the grand final day. If if Geelong can get over Hawthorne, that's my that's my year made really. Well, I can tell you, I'll either be at the grand final if we make it, or I will not watch it at all if we don't. I think. Uh, I think the winner of the grand final this year is going to come out of that Geelong Hawthorne game, though. So, if it's oh, Hawthorne, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write Fremantle off. If it's there, Hawthorne, they are very good. If it's Hawthorne, that is. If Hawthorne make the grand final, they'll win. Uh, in my opinion, if Geelong make it, it's going to be even money against Freo. I think. So, and I'm the only neutral person left here because uh, ODN was crying or something about not feeling well, and you know, no one else came on. So. Guys, thanks very much for uh, making an appearance this evening. Uh, thanks, SJ, for coming on very late and doing the uh, preview for this weekend. No worries. And uh, I think this time next week we'll have a, br- a new Brownlow medalist as well. Well, we'll have a Brownlow medalist. One more right, yes. <laughs> And uh, Messenger, thank you very much for coming on. I believe, Wookie. I believe. Go Hawks. And uh, Seppo, thanks for coming. No worries. I'll just uh, see you back here next week when we're talking about a Fremantle-Hawthorne <laughs> grand final. Go Freo. And uh, SM, thanks for uh, coming for what is apparently going to be the final time, if you believe, Seppo. Yeah, sounds like it. So I guess I'll see you boys next year. <laughs> so he's got tickets on himself already. And um, guys, just a reminder, if you would like a chance to win a copy of Fox Swift, the... Uh, the game, uh, not the game, the book by Slattery Media, which uh, we are giving away three copies of in the podcast thread that will be coming up. Uh, all you need to do is mention that you would like a copy and name the book. It's called Fox Swift, and the first three people to do that will uh, win a copy of that. Um, it is the perfect read for any child who's passionate about Aussie rules, and uh, it is uh, written with Cyril Rioli. The Who you say? Surioli, Surioli, the Hawthorne star. That's right. That's right. The, the, uh, I'm logging delicious. in as we speak. Combining the sporting prowess of Cyril Rioli, the wickedly funny words of comedic writer David Lawrence, and the delightful drawings of Joe Gill, Fox Swift is a page turner that will have children anxiously awaiting the next instalment. Hang on, I'm typing my post in right now. <laughs> I, I haven't even made the podcast thread yet. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> get on that. There are three copies to be given away. Um, it's the first time we've had something to give away for the podcast, so get straight into that before uh, Messenger tries to get three copies for his kids. <laughs> or him. I'm using my aliases now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you and Eccles are the same person, aren't you, really? <laughs> Eccles is my evil side. He's my uh, yes, envious. No, no one's ever seen the two of you separate, have they? <laughs> no, although he has a lot more facial hair than I do. All right. Uh, anything you want to say before we sign off? Go, Caprio. Come on, my boys. You can do it. <laughs> go, go, footy. That's pretty... <laughs> go, delistings. Oh, SJ, did you like our impersonations of you last week? <laughs> Oh, I didn't actually hear them, so uh, oh, you, you didn't get that far into the podcast. You missed out. Who made impersonations of SJ? I did. <laughs> they were brilliant. Did so. They oh, weren't very can good. Can you please actually. do Vaughn now, then? No. Oh, go on. Oh, no. Please. No, because, go on. No, because she'll hate me and 
Oh, she get angry and stuff. Oh, oh we'll, she's fine. She's. We'll fine. read about your homicide in the advertiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be in a barrel somewhere. Hotel uh, manager racing. found slain in room. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be racing barrels? <laughs> barrel. Oh, yes. she's she's posting it anyway. Um. That's all from me, and uh, we'll see you all on the forums. Guys, have a good weekend. May the best teams uh, win or something. So long. Farewell. Off Whedersen. Goodbye.